Well, I've just said the thumbs up from Jamie, and so we are live, we're on air, and uh, welcome to our Bible study time this evening, and just glad to be together again, and I do trust that our time uh, together would be a benefit to you, and uh, that benefit must include uh, a desire to honor God, and in all that we study, all that we learn, uh, may we be led in ways that are pleasing to Him, and ways that conform uh, to the will of God. Uh, we are going to be speaking about the local church tonight. And, and, and just a comment right now. We've just ended a day uh, of ministry and, and many of you uh, were involved in some way or another with the funeral uh, for our brother Freddie Kaseke. And it was great for me to observe uh, the way in which uh, people support each other, love each other, care for each other, and, and step up and help each other. So, uh, a little bit more about that this evening as we look at this uh, uh, final chapter of Romans, uh, chapter 16. I won't finish it all tonight, but I do want to look at least at the first uh, 16 verses. Don't be put off by all the names. Remember that all scripture is God-breathed. And so therefore there is a value, there's a benefit, a usefulness, something that we can learn uh, from this particular passage, that which God is saying to us. So let me pray and, and then I'll read the passage uh, together. Father, thank you for uh, the day that we've had for your gracious hand of mercy, guiding, directing, undertaking. And Lord, we do pray again just for your continued ministry in supporting and comforting a grieving family. Another grieving family tomorrow as we gather together, Lord, there too. May they know the, the blessing of your presence, the, the closeness of your uh, cared, uh, caring in your presence. And so as we turn to this passage tonight, as we uh, look at it, I pray that we would learn and, and even grow in our own uh, relationships and functionality within the local church. Pray for myself as I speak to think clearly, speak simply. Each of us, as we listen, enable us, Lord, to learn and to submit and to walk in your ways. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, right, l listen for the names and watch out for what they're doing. Uh, lots of names, lots of different uh, actions and, and work that is being done. So, Romans chapter 16, and we start with verse 1. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Senchreia, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints, and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Eponetus, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, uh, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, my beloved Stachas. Greet Apelles, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Greet my kinsman Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. 
Greet those work, workers in the Lord. Tryphena and Tryphosa, uh, greet the beloved Persis, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Greet Asencritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermes, and the brothers who are with them. Greet Philogus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. Probably a passage most would pass over. But uh, I'm going to hopefully show you tonight that there's definitely value, usefulness, usefulness in this kind of passage. And uh, I, I entitled my message tonight, uh, The Local Church is Great. And I could have called it, Local is Lacquer. Uh, because that's the way I feel about the church when I look at this kind of passage. It's the way I feel about the church when I see Central Baptist Church uh, functioning uh, well and, and, and doing what we ought to do as those who are part of the body of Christ. But I do want to just preface the study tonight and just to remind you that chapter 16 comes at the end of the book, stating the obvious. But it's very important to see that when I speak about the local church being great, that they're being... Uh, value in the experience of the local church, don't forget that Romans chapters 1 to 11 was about doctrine. It was about teaching us about the fact that all are sinners and in need of grace. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And along the way, reading and, and understanding and learning, there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So the, the theology has come before. We can't just take chapter 16 and say, well, that's what we need to do. No, no, no. Understand the, the truth, the revelation, uh, all that has been revealed in terms of who we are, uh, the needs that we have before God, who He is as a holy God, and, and how dependent we are on Him uh, for the grace uh, that He gives uh, to us. So uh, have that in the back of your mind as we move through this uh, passage. And uh, it's a passage, the closing chapter of Romans, and, and Paul is greeting many, many people. Those greetings give us insight into his understanding and perception of what actually was going on at the church in Rome. And, and from what I can see, we can, we can certainly say that, yeah, we had a healthy, functioning, strong, local church. This is the kind of thing that happens in a healthy, strong, and functioning local church. And so the challenge and, and even the questions right at the end, we've got to be asking ourselves, is this the kind of stuff? Is, is this what describes us or, 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 or do we see this kind of activity uh, happening among us uh, as members of the Central uh, Baptist Church? So the very first point I want to make, and uh, the heading I gave it was marks of a healthy local church. When I read through my notes just before the study, uh, I thought, well, I would have added, and I think I would like to add the word Marks of a healthy, functioning local church. They're working. They're, they're doing things. And just to give you some of a summary, you can do the summary yourself, but Paul sends greetings to, 
26 individuals, 24 of whom he names, adding in most cases a complementary personal reference. He says something about what they're doing, what they're up to, uh, something about them. I need to remind you that Paul has never been to Rome. Now that's already is an insight. And yet, yet he knows many of these people. He's able to give us a glimpse into their lives and the participation, the kind of participation that they're involved in making this church at Rome a functioning local church. What I decided to do in my analysis of the passage is instead of doing a verse-by-verse or person-by-person kind of analysis, I try to group together uh, similar activities that various people are described doing, and and thereby coming up with what I want to call uh, marks of this healthy, functioning church. Now, some of them are going to be obvious to you. Um, Some of them will be hopefully a reminder to you, And even to say tonight, it could be a challenge to you and to me in the way that I conduct myself or you conduct yourself uh, in the local church, whether that be at Arcadia or whether that be up at the Hill campus as well. So number one, number one, the first characteristic, the first mark identified of a functioning church is hard work. Nothing, nothing anywhere. I don't think it matters what field of service or activity or vocation you're involved in, whether you're at school or university, or you have a particular job in a profession, or you work in a factory. Hard work. It's it's obvious. Nothing, nothing is going to happen unless people get their hands dirty, and these people get down and, and, and put their shoulder to the wheel. And And so here we see men and women, who worked hard in the progress of the gospel. Prisca, or I think we probably know that as Priscilla and Aquila, are described as Paul's fellow workers, alongside of him, working for the sake of the gospel. At the time of the writing, we see he identifies as well in those early verses, verses 3 to 5, that not only does he see them as fellow workers, but they also were opening their home and had a church meeting in their house. People were gathering. People were uh, uh, able to, to use that as, as a venue, which, which meant that it, it was work for them because they would prepare the venue, no doubt preparing some sort of a refreshment for them, hospitality provided, and that's what they were doing. There was hard work taking place. Mary is identified and her hard work on behalf of the church is also commended in verse 6. The nature of that work we're not sure of, but certainly she's commended. And then there's a whole bunch of others, Urbanus. I wondered if any of you would want to name any of your children after these uh, Romans, uh, or Banus, or Tryphena, or uh, Try, Tryphosa, Tryposa, and the beloved Persis, all of them have their work commended by Paul. You see that in verse 9 and verse 12. The bottom line is we cannot avoid noticing 
that this church in Rome was full of people who were known for their labor and their effort for the sake of the gospel. There's a challenge there for us. Definitely, I, I believe there's a challenge in, in, in the context of our world in, in, in 2021 uh, where there's so many distractions, uh, so much effort uh, needing to be given in people's minds to the, 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 the social world and social media and, and television and, and series and, and occupying themselves with, with trivialities. It, it's, it's what characterizes our society today. So we need to be challenged by this. Hard work, much effort for the sake of the gospel. And so if we were to bring that principle into our world or take our world into, into their context, we could say of them, these Roman people that are identified, it was not a big deal for them to open their homes up for a midweek Bible study. Now, I know what it means. It's hard work. I know it's hard work. There are cups to be washed. There are cups to be put out. There's tea to be provided. There are eats to be organized. The chairs to be reorganized because normally speaking, we can only fit six or seven. So we have 10 and 11. We have work to be done, packed out, packed up. They didn't mind doing it. Some of them did not mind being out on a Monday night, being involved in evangelism effort, in visiting people, visiting the unsaved. What about preparation? The hard work that it takes to prepare uh, the delivery of a Sunday school lesson or, or a Bible study class or a home group fellowship evening. Opening your Bible, looking at commentaries, looking at the end. It's hard work. It takes time. It takes time. And, and these people were doing it. Now I can put this negatively. There isn't any evidence in the New Testament that a healthy Functioning church is made up of hundreds of people who are spectators. No, there's no evidence of that. People were working. And there's a challenge for our smaller church, whether we be 200 or, or 300, or, and at times we've been up to 400 people at Arcadia. We, God does not call us simply to gather together on a Sunday to be part of a crowd, to watch somebody else exercise their gift in teaching or preaching or singing or serving in some kind of way where you have 98% of the people spectating. No, no. That, that gathering on a Sunday is, is only one aspect. It's one part. It's part of the equipping and the fueling that we are sent out to do the hard work. Whatever that hard work may be, whatever gift that God has given you, whatever gift he's given me to exercise that gift, to use that gift, to focus our efforts and energy for the sake of the kingdom and for the sake of the name. So hard work, I know it's hard work. Sunday school teacher, every Sunday, yes. Worship leader, perhaps a challenge to our worship leaders. Thank you for those who give of themselves regularly and, and willingly and, and faithfully. Sometimes we struggle uh, to find willing workers to lead us, those who have particular gifts in this area, those who are involved in hospitality and, and catering and, and refreshments. 
really want to express gratitude to those who served today. It was a long wait. The funeral started at one o'clock. And eventually when we got back from the cemetery, I don't think uh, uh, it was anywhere before four o'clock. But we had some faithful servants, hardworking, willing. And we can go on different areas of maintenance within the church, leading a prayer group, regularly praying, witnessing to others. Get the idea? Healthy, functioning church. There are those believers who are willing to give themselves to hard work. Number two, it seems to me that these people that Paul identifies have what I want to call backbone. Priscilla and Aquila risked their necks for Paul's sake. Now, we know that Paul was always in trouble because being persecuted and disliked and not, uh, some people not liking his message. Well, these uh, two people risked their necks for Paul's sake. And, and in doing so, uh, earned the gratitude of the Gentile churches who owed so much to the apostle. Again, the third and the fourth verse. A little bit further on, we see Andronicus and Junia were fellow prisoners with Paul. Along the way, they did this for the sake of the gospel. Now, you go to jail for the gospel, you've got to have some backbone. Because you can quite easily just simply recant and simply say, well, I don't believe it, I don't, I don't, I don't adhere to that particular doctrine, or I don't follow Jesus, and, and, and just not have backbone, not have conviction. We notice that these people did not shy away from taking a stand for God, but taking a stand for His cause, and then even having to face consequences, harsh consequences. Can you imagine being in a first century, uh, dingy, miserable, I would imagine cold, greet Apelles who is approved in Christ? Now, what that means is that this brother had been tested and had come through proved, pure. Now, how was he tested? We don't know. Was there some danger? Was there some persecution? Was there some trouble? But what we do know, that he was steadfast, that he was courageous, that he was willing to stand on his convictions, that he was willing to go against the flow, that he was willing to have some backbone. I think we could say that these people had guts for God. Guts, guts for God. Oh, we need lots of people with guts for God. Guts to stand up against political correctness. Guts to call a spade a spade. Guts to call... A sin, a sin. That is a huge challenge in our 21st century context. Calling a sin a sin. Guts to call a lie, a lie. You see, these people had the courage. They had the conviction. They had the backbone, whatever word we would like to use. The guts to hold up the name of Jesus, who they knew he alone could save them from sin and condemnation, that he alone was worthy to be worshipped. Number three. Can't miss out on this one. 
It's obvious that these people had affection for each other. The greeting, along with some of the terms used, show that they loved one another. Aquila and Priscilla loved Paul more than their own lives in verse 4. Epinetus, the first convert to Christ from the province of Asia, is identified as beloved, verse 5. So are Amplius in verse 8, Stachas in verse 9, and Persis in verse 12. There's a connectedness amongst these people. There's an intimacy. They know each other. They, they have an affection for each other. Let me read from verse 10. Greet Apelles, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Greet my kinsmen, Herodia. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those workers in the Lord, Trophina, Trophosa. Greet the beloved Perseus, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Here is a connectedness and an affection amongst the people. There's a sincerity, there's a warmth of affection. I think it was the way of much of what we see in the early church. The affection for each other also expressed in the way that they greeted each other. Now, of course, they did not have COVID. But notice that they greeted each other with a demonstrative holy kiss. Now, I'm not quite sure what that was. But again, indicating affection. You can see sincere, selfless action Interest in each other, caring for one another, loving one another as brothers and sisters in the family of God. Number four, this functioning healthy church experienced integration. Now, forgive me if you're a member of the Pretoria Country Club, but if you were to visit the Pretoria Country Club, it won't take you too long to recognize which part of society makes up the members of the Pretoria Country Club. I'm pretty sure there are no members from Danville or Dipsalot. Isn't that true? The barriers, that's what happens in society, the barriers that divide the world is obvious for all to see. But they did not divide the people in the local church at Rome. Again, just looking at some of the details we're given. There's Urbanus, Urbanus in verse 9. His name suggests that he was born, that he was raised in the city. Uh, Stachas in verse 9, whose name means ear of corn, is definitely from the outlying rural area. But they're in the same church. They're connected, having their names next to each other in the greeting. Then you have Hermes in verse 14. It's a slave name. Those of Aristobulus's household, verse 10, probably slaves too. Yet in the same church, did you notice, verse 11, there is Herodian, who is a member of the powerful Herod family, and Julia, verse 15, who is believed as some connection with the imperial household. Do you get the idea? All sorts of people, different uh, layers of, of social standing, different cultural groups, they're coming together. They're part of the same church. Rufus, verse 13, whose mother was like a mother to Paul, was believed to be uh, uh, the, the son of Simon of Cyrene from Mark chapter 15, who in turn was identified with the dark-skinned Simeon from Acts chapter 13. 
Well, that means that people of different color were also participating and integrated in this local church. And then also the fact that men and women serving together. Nine of the 26 people that are greeted are women. Women and men together, integral part of the local church. Different roles uh, by the design of God, but wonderfully at work together in the cause of Christ. I want to add uh, one further mark of this healthy functioning church. And I've, 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 I've used the word interdependent. They did not become a closed holy huddle. These folk are connected to the wider body of Christ. Paul has never been to Rome, interestingly, but nevertheless he has a definite interest in the church. Also Phoebe is on her way to Rome. There's a relationship. They are to welcome her in the Lord. Verse 1, he identifies her as a patron of many. In other words, she was supporting here and there and everywhere, even Paul himself. A woman who got behind the work of God, financially supporting people beyond her immediate circles. There's an interdependence, a working together beyond the local church. Well, that's a, a bit of a summary. I hope it, uh, uh, it encourages you because a lot of what I read here, I see at, uh, at Central, at both campuses. I see it at Arcadia, I see it at the Hill. Uh, I think we... Uh, can be described as a healthy functioning church. Can we do better? Of course we can. Always. We can always do better. But I want to move on now, and I, I, I have a second point, and I, I want to ask us to think. What is it that produces, that results in a church uh, evolving, developing as a healthy functioning church? So I've, I've used the heading, making sense of a healthy local church. Church, what, what is it? What is it that gives rise to these marks that are evident among the members of the Roman Church? Did this church have something? Did they know something that can very easily be missed? Uh, it would be great if I had a, a board and a white marker, and maybe I need to look and see how I can do that. But if you take a pencil, and, I, and you need to do this when you read the Bible and you study the Bible. And, and you look for uh, common phrases, similar phrases. Uh, well, the answer can be found when you do that kind of thing in these 16 verses. Verse 2 and 3 and 7 and 8 and 9 and 10, 11, 12 and 13. There are 10 references in 9 verses describing these church members that we've been speaking about Two phrases, in Christ. Second phrase, or in the Lord. In other words, they're saying the same thing. They're in Christ, in Jesus. And there is the key, that is the secret of a healthy, functioning local church. The frequent use of these expressions, the focus on being in Christ, in the Lord, sheds light on one of the great differences between a sick and a healthy church. Now, the two things that we need to uh, take from this in, 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 as we think about being in Christ and, and in the Lord. Number one, 
regenerate church membership. That's our Baptist principle, by the way. One of our Baptist principles, basically saying that the local church comprises of those who've been born again by the Spirit of God, gathered by God into the body of Christ. That, that's what it says. So when this passage says that Andrew, Nikus, and Junior were in Christ before Paul, what does it mean? Well, they were converted before Paul. Their conversion took place before his. For Amplius to be beloved in the Lord means that he was a beloved fellow believer. Those in the Lord whom Paul greets uh, the Narcissus household are members joined to Christ. For Rufus to be chosen in the Lord means that he was a Christian. Do you get the idea? The, the, the church is not just a gathering of religious people. We have similar thoughts or similar thinking or perhaps a cultural background in Christianity and so we need to find a place where, where we feel comfortable. No. And, and at Central Baptist Church, we, we, we diligently try and apply this principle. That's why people need to apply for church membership. We want to be sure that they are in the Lord. We want to be sure that they're in Christ. We want to be sure that they've been immersed into the body of Christ, that they've been baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ. And so the starting point of any healthy church is that we have to get the membership right. As soon as you have unbelievers or cultural Christians or if you want to call them goats in the church, they're going to disrupt the church. They're going to influence the church in ways that are not pleasing to God. You don't want to have wolves in the church. You don't want unbelievers who are members of the church. We reach out to them with the gospel, but they can't be part and they can't be identified as the local body. When a local church does all it can to ensure that every member has been born again of the Spirit of God, you know what? There's a greater likelihood that the church works. Now, here's an important phrase. There's a greater likelihood that the church works more like an organism rather than an organization. You see, an organism is a living body. We are the body of Christ. We're a living organism. The running club I belong to is an organization. We simply gather together because we like to run and, and we need uh, athletic association numbers and there's a purpose in joining an organization that functions as an organization. It's different. But when members are baptized in the Spirit into the church, they're more likely to operate as the living body that we are under Christ, who is the head of the body of the church. So very, very important, regenerate church membership. Number two, these people had a relationship with Christ. Now, these two uh, points that I'm making are connected. Because if you are born again, you do have a relationship with Christ. 
but I've separated them because I want us to think about how we develop the relationship, the intensity of the, the, the relationship, the depth of that relationship, and perhaps even we could say the maturity of that relationship. So to receive Phoebe in the Lord is to receive her as a sister believer for the Lord's sake, and they did so to honor the Lord. Now, they want to honor the Lord because they have a relationship with the Lord. Aquila and Priscilla help in Christ Jesus, uh, the work that they did for him, uh, as with others like Urbanus and Tryphena and Tryphosa and Perseus, in Christ Jesus. You see the, the, the focus, the attention. Could we extend that and say the adoration, the commitment, the dedication is to Jesus? Apelles, he withstood his trial in Christ. He endured because he loved Jesus. Do we all love Jesus? And are we growing in our love for Jesus? Is that relationship improving? For these people who had been born again, they had Jesus at the center. He's the sphere and the atmosphere in which they live. They fostered their relationship with Jesus. They belonged to him. He was not some peripheral appendage at the edge of their lives. He was uppermost in their thinking. He was a priority in their affection. You see, folk, when we believers are close to Jesus, we're more likely to behave like him. When he increases in us, self decreases. These people conscious, consciously live their lives in his sight. They seem to do everything for Jesus. And so when your and my relationship with Jesus is weak or distant or cold, then what happens is concern for self will dominate. Personal advantage is the air that you breathe. But when our relationship with Jesus is strong and close and intimate and warm, then life revolves around him. These early Christians could not write or greet or welcome or visit. Do you notice that? Without referring to him. He was their first love. And so with this deep affection for him, how could they do anything less than be hardworking, courageous, affectionate, integrated and interdependent? It is true, as I conclude this evening, the local church can sometimes be messy and even sick, can be characterized by criticism and ungodliness and insensitivity and selfishness and laziness and bossiness. But can you see now why that happens? It's sin. It's self-centeredness. The agenda is set by members who are either unconverted, they may be religious but they're unconverted, or they have a distant relationship with Jesus. It's, it's got cold They've backslidden. And so local church can be great. But local church is great when members are born again and they love Jesus. Those two must always go together. When you love Jesus, 
you will be excited about expressing that love in the local church. Well, we learn from this, and I do believe there's a challenge for us in this. But I just do, I do want to conclude by saying I'm very grateful to God for Central Baptist Church. And in what I saw today again, and uh, often when I see people in need and the way that our church responds, I'm encouraged to see that there is much of what I have described here tonight, uh, which was evident in Rome. And so, does that mean we become satisfied? No. We must take up the challenge. We must continue to strive to grow in our love for Jesus. And in so doing, we'll find ourselves being even healthier as we function in the local church to the glory of God. So thank you. Thank you for those who do work hard. Uh, thank you for those who are involved in all of these things that I've mentioned tonight. And, and perhaps if you're not... It's an opportunity to be confronted tonight and repent from that and turn from, uh, whether it be laziness or criticism, to serve and to honor God in the church. Lord, we thank you for the body of Christ. Thank you that, Lord Jesus, you are our head, that we're immersed into the life of the Spirit, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit involved uh, with us and in us in this great privilege we have of serving in the local church. And we pray for our church tonight, Lord, a hurting church at the moment. We pray for healing. We pray that you would really give much strength and wisdom. But Lord, I do pray also that you would continue to enable us to grow in our love for you. Enable us to serve you in great and wonderful ways ways that will impact the lives of many across the world and bring glory to your name. And this we pray for the sake of the name of Jesus. Amen. So just a final slide again. There is the opportunity to have some discussion for those who are gathering in groups either tonight or tomorrow. Uh, do take a, a, a photograph of those questions and a real opportunity uh, to talk about Central Baptist Church. And if you have any thoughts or ideas, uh, don't hesitate to be in touch with any one of us pastors. So God bless you and, and be with you. Uh, looking forward to us worshipping together and gathering on Sunday. Amen.